Okay. Uh, now it's the time for the leader to qualify. Please stand when sharing so all may hear and see. <laughs> okay. We have to keep focus on the recovery. Okay. I think I can do that. Hi, everyone. It's Susa Compulsive Overeater. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much, Peter, for asking me to speak. It's recording. I'm like, how much slack do I have? <laughs> Take it with me. Um, okay, just take a second to get grounded. Um, I usually stand when I'm speaking, but okay. I came into the room. First of all, I'm a hardcore compulsive overeater. Uh, food is my number one drug of choice. And I discovered it when I was really young. Really, really young. And I once heard an addict say that as an addict, as a child, and as an adult, the sounds are too bright, the sounds are too loud, and the, and the, the world's too bright. And I just needed to turn it down a notch. And the food did it for me, uh, really did it for me. And I think it started when I was about five or six, where I was, I was not reacting to food the way that other children reacted to food. I wanted more of it, I wanted to steal it, I wanted to eat it in secret. It had like a magic when I swallowed it, the chew was awesome. I mean, there was just something about the food that was very different to the way that my friends reacted to it. Um, and the more I realized how different I was, the more shame and guilt and hiding there was about it. Um, I, was, I was born in the Middle East, in Iran. Uh, I went to England when I was four. Um, to the very whitest, most countryside part of England, and I was uh, like the darkest-skinned child <laughs> for many, many miles. Um, and again, I felt very, very different. My parents were fresh off the boat, and I went to English uh, boarding school, and my mom was a compulsive overeater. Uh, my father was an alcoholic. And my mom died in her 30s from this disease. So she was on um, shots. I guess in the 80s they were doing like pregnant urine cow shots. Um, and she had a massive heart attack. Um, and I, I came home to find her on the floor. And it was, it was horrific. And uh, my father didn't have the tools to raise us. And things went down that shouldn't have gone down, period. Um, and I share in a general way from the podium. You want details, call me. Um, but, but, and the way that I coped with the things that went down that shouldn't have gone down uh, was that I ate and I hated myself and I hid and I felt more and more and more different. And um, once my mom died, we moved to down the street to the U.S. so my grandparents could help raise us. It was me and my seven-year-old brother. And the food continued, and, and here I was, like a little English kid, coming to Beverly High. I was petrified. Um, there were more Persians that I knew what to do with. Um, <laughs> like my, my Farsi got really good. I was like, wow, people really speak Farsi around here. I didn't speak much Farsi in England. Um, and still, I was the different kid from England who was heavier, who didn't have a mom, who everyone was like, mm, you know, and, and I just... Chronic feeling different is a big, big part of my disease. Um, and I ate. I just ate. And I ate like a trucker. You know, the fact that I wasn't four or five hundred pounds is just a miracle of God and, and the metabolism of my youth. Um, if I ate like that today, I would be 360 pounds. Period. Are we allowed to talk about foodie care? Um, so, so, and the concoctions. I've, I've often 
called myself a, a food pharmacist uh, because I can I can create Demerol with food. You know, I can, and it, it's got that sort of like put the tourniquet on and put it in my veins. Um, it's how I am with crunchy, salty, carby, sweet, fatty, you know, and, and it's kind of brilliant that as a kid, I took what was readily available and created anesthesia. And it worked really well. It worked really well. It, it coated the nerves. It numbed me just so that I could tolerate what was going on. And when it stopped working, it really stopped working. And I was young when I got married and young when I had my first kid. I actually serendipitously met a very normal, loving man who doesn't have like an ounce of addiction running through his veins. And he was just like, holy God, like what, what did I marry? <laughs> really weird. And, and he, was, he was super loving. He tried his best. Thank you. Um, and I would tell him, like, I can't stop eating. He's like, well, should we get a treadmill? Like what, you know, how can I help you? And, and he couldn't help me with the bottom line. So um, came into the rooms. I had one kid. And I went to the Harvard Street meeting. And, well, first of all, I was president of the candy drive at her preschool. And it was those $1 candy bars. And I think I sold maybe 56 of them, but I owed the school $47. So 47 had gone to me. Um, and I ate them 12, 15, 18 at a time. Uh, at a time. And, and I remember I told my friend, who was the co-chair, I said, you know, Ruth, look, I, can't, I can't stop eating these candy bars. She goes, well, how many did you have? I said, like seven. And she goes, this morning? I was like, no, for dinner. She's like, well, did you feel sick? I was like, no. Did you throw up? I was like, mm, no. Did I want to kill myself? Yes. Did I hate myself more than I could ever explain to anybody? Yes. And she was like, oh, no, go to OA. And, um, I, you know, I've shared this before. Like, Overeaters Anonymous is possibly the unsexiest name for a program. Like, it's just so unattractive. Like, Overeaters Anonymous. Ew. So I went, <laughs> I went, to, um, I went to Harvard, and I sort of hung out. And I went once a week. Every Thursday, I went for about a year. And I sort of got the message, tried to get a sponsor. I don't know. I didn't really understand the big book. I, I did my best. I really did my best for about a year. And then got pregnant with my second kid. Great pregnancy. Gave birth to this child. And I was, now I had a five-year-old and a newborn. And I'm 24. And I'm standing in front of the pantry. Like, I just, I can't cope. And I remember Jeannie. I don't know if those of you who know Jeannie. But Jeannie was petrifying to me. And I happened to have her number, and I called her, and I said, Jeannie, I, I just, I can't stop eating. I can't stop eating. And I knew that those crazy people on Harvard Street were not eating the way that I'm eating now. That's all I, that's all I knew, and that's what I wanted. And I said, can you sponsor me? And she said, you know, I'm really full right now, but here's the number of one of my sponsees. She can sponsor you. I know she can sponsor you. Fine. Uh, called this woman like four or five times in the same day. Poor thing. She was at school. And um, I guess her partner was like, this woman keeps calling. I think she really needs to talk to you. And she called me in and she said, yeah, you know, I can sponsor you. Um, my life changed. It changed when, when Heidi started sponsoring me. And she was, as loving as she was, she was pretty no BS. And I said, well, how do you do it? She had four and a half years of abstinence. She was in a normal body. She ate normal meals. She had a very normal 
She went to work. She came home. She had partners. She had she had normality, which is what I wanted and what I craved. And she said, "You need in order for me to sponsor you, you need to go to three meetings a week. You need to have a minimum of two service commitments. Pick your own food plan. Pick your own abstinence. I will not be your food police." is what she said. She said, I'm not your therapist, I'm not your mother, and I won't loan you money. And I was like, fine. Um, what do I eat? <laughs> I just, I didn't know how to eat. And I remember calling her and being like, hey, Heidi, what do you eat for breakfast? And I said, oh, sweetie, this is an egg and a piece of toast, a little fruit. Like, she taught me how to eat because last night's Chinese food or a stop at McDonald's or a pizza were sort of my, well, it's morning time, you got to eat something. Um, and I just, I really didn't know how to eat. And we worked steps together and we went to meetings together. And, and, and she just gave me an incredible gift. Uh, when we got to the 12th step, we both cried. Um, my top weight is close to 200 pounds, a size 16. Um, my pants right now are like a 10, 12. And I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. Um, so we worked steps and then I, I started sponsoring and I called her. I called her twice a day for two years. God bless her. She took my calls. 8.45 a.m., 3.45 p.m. for two years. Because getting through an entire day without compulsively overeating was too much for me. And she took my calls. And she taught me. She taught me, come to meetings early. Leave meetings late. Be of service. Say hi to the newcomer. Take numbers. Take phone calls. Pick up your phone. And I got really good 12-step boot camp in a very loving way with her. Um, and I started sponsoring and my life started changing and I, my marriage got better. Uh, there was a point in my marriage, and I've shared this before, I can't change my story, uh, that my husband actually thought I was having an affair. And he very seriously sat me down one day and he was like, I, I feel like you're not here. I feel like there's another man. You're distracted. You are, um, you're not here. You're not, you're not with us. And I swear I wasn't having an affair. <laughs> like, there was no other man in my life. What there was, was the extreme distraction of addiction, of not being able to stop eating, of hating myself, of resolutions unkept, and then the self-hatred that came with the resolutions unkept, because I had no power. Uh, I love the steps. I worked, I worked them pretty rigorously, 1 through 12, and then I worked them again another time, and now I'm pretty much in 10, 11, and 12. Uh, how much time do I have? Awesome. So Heidi left. Heidi um, very selfishly got married and had a kid <laughs> and uh, moved to Ohio. And I worked with her for a little bit. And then it became sort of clear to me, I really need a sponsor who I can see. Because uh, I can bullshit on the phone really well. Um, I need a sponsor who can look into my eyes and be like, hmm, what's going on? Uh, and so I, I got another sponsor, and, and Leslie started sponsoring me when I turned nine. I just celebrated 16 years, and she's been sponsoring me for seven years. So I've really only had two, two sponsors in program. I don't change it if it works, and it works. And much like Heidi, um, this sponsor is very much the same way. You know, four or five meetings a week, lots of service. You don't say no to service. Um, you show up and you share honestly. And, and really... Only now, sort of like in my 15th year, did it become very, very clear that God is everything or God is nothing. Period. And the only way that this spiritual malady, whole 
ick um, is the antidote to that is God. And, and I'm sorry, newcomers, like that is just, it's so weird. It's so weird that you come in for a food problem that I can't stop eating. You know, you, you'd think that there would be a scale in the corner and someone with a white coat and handing you a food plan. And that hasn't been my experience. Um, my food plan is I don't binge, period. And I know what a binge is. I know what a binge is. A binge is I don't give a you-know-what to anything in the world, including my own children. Um, sort of that, like, middle finger close the doors, shut the drapes, and binge. Um, and thank you, God, that, that hasn't happened for 16-plus uh, for years. I also don't eat butter or margarine, and I'm really happy, and I would highly recommend this, to have a bottom-line abstinence. So if I pick up butter and I put it on my bread, I'm out. I have lost my abstinence. If I take margarine and I eat it, I'm done, because that Whatever that does to me chemically, that's my bottom line. I'm out. I will day one if I ever do that. I, I pray I don't. Um, so what does it look like today? Uh, this has probably been the hardest 18 months of my life. The hardest 18 months. And that is, besides all the stuff that went you know, down when I was a kid, uh, it's been a really rough 18 months. And I've been, I've been disappointed. I've been mad at God. I feel like my insides are reorganizing a little bit. Um, I've had to, what does it say, swallow some big chunks of truth about myself. Uh, I've had to up my program. I've had to be really honest. And I've had to be, be like in complete surrender. Like, okay, God, like, what do you want? You know, I'm a vessel of thy will. Just tell me what you want. And there are days where it's like, really? That's what you want? Fine. You know, um, and, and I have to check in with God a lot. Um, you know, I, I believe that I'm here for a purpose, and my purpose is not to hate myself and to eat compulsively and to not pay attention to my kids and to have my husband think I'm cheating on him. And because of this program, my life has really changed. I have a life really beyond my wildest dreams. It's imperfect. It's very imperfect. Uh, I still struggle spiritually. I struggle emotionally. I struggle physically with the food. Um, but, but I have a blueprint. I have somewhere to come back to. And I'll just say um, my nephew uh, committed suicide uh, two months ago. And my sister's in another country. And I'm going to go be with her in, in a week. And I went shopping for clothes. And my body's not where I want it to be right now. And that is sort of like for a multitude of reasons, mostly that I'm eating a little more. Um, that, that's sort of one of the reasons. And then there's a bunch of injuries and stuff going on. Um, and I'm just in this dressing room trying on stuff, and nothing looks good. I just, everything I put on is like, ugh, and ugh, like that. And the self-hatred started coming in. And it was like getting louder and getting louder and getting louder. And I, and I can feel this voice going, Atusa, step away from the dressing room. And, and I can't. So I take the next thing and I try it on. I take the next thing and I try it on. It's like Atusa, step away from the mall. Nope, it's not happening. I'm going to find that one thing that's going to fix it. And I ended up buying like four or five things, all in extra, extra large sizes, so that I wouldn't have to try them on. So I came home. They looked like moo-moos. And I was like, this is great. This is what we're going with. Um, and it petrified me because for the next 48 hours, 
My thinking was out of control. My food was a mess. It was like extra bite. I had like the magic fork that went across the table to my, to my husband's plate. Like, meh, not so good. Um, foods that I really don't do so well for me. They're not on my abstinent list, but they don't work so well. And more and more, for the newcomers, you can pick your own abstinence. You can pick your own food plan. But for me, a lot of my eating, the parameters I have to have have to be behavior-based. It's not so much I can't eat dessert, it's that I need parameters around dessert. So if I'm stopping at a bakery at 4 p.m. when I'm really supposed to be picking up my kids and in carpool and I'm slamming a chocolate croissant before I get them and then I'm late getting them, uh, right? that is not sober eating. Okay, if I'm with a group of people, they order birthday cake and I have a bite, fine. So there are very clear parameters on what sober eating is for me and what sobriety means with the food because I can be out like an alcoholic, like a drug addict um, when I eat certain things in certain proportions in certain ways. And so as I really think more and more about sobriety in this program, which is what I want, look, I'll probably never be a size zero two. You know, I probably won't. It's not my body type. It's not my genetics. I'm a Persian Jew. I'm fighting against the waves, you know, with, with that. Um, and it's, it's not even really my primary purpose. If someone said to me, Atisa, what is your primary purpose? It's not to be a size two. Thank you, God, for today. It's not. And that 48 hours was such an awakening to what life was like all the time. It was like that all the time. I woke up in the morning, like touching parts of myself. Like, oh, this has to be small. This is small. My shoulders and my arms. Right? What am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? The resolutions. Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Get the trainer. Get the hypnotist. Get the Weight Watchers. Get the Jenny Craig. Get the. And none of it worked. And that is self. What is it? Uh, demoralizing. I forget the three words. Um, but it was just. It was hell on earth. And it's one thing to be dead, but it's something else to be part of the living dead, where it was just dark. And, and my sponsor said something. She goes, you know, when you first adopt a puppy that's been abused, you bring it home and the puppy's tail is down and the puppy is sad and the puppy doesn't really know what to do. And when you, once you start taking care of this puppy, like the, the puppy's tail comes up and starts wagging. And I feel like... Coming into program and working the steps, that's what happened. Like my tail started wagging again. And I sort of got this grace and this, um, this sense of like I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And if I really think for a second and think about not ever coming back to OA, that is frightening for me. Really frightening because I have developed a network of women here who they're my posse. You know, they're my posse. I can, I can press a button on my phone and have a slew of people on, my, on, my, on the other end going like, Tusa, I get it. What are we going to do? Right? A slew of program sisters and peers and mentors and all sorts of things. And after this 48 hours, I made about eight phone calls. I just sat in the car and made phone calls. And, and my husband texted me. He's like, where are you? I'm like, in the driveway making OA phone calls. And he responded, Okay. Right, because he got it. He got it. And I think I was in the car for about an hour and a half talking to different women and hear them say, it's okay, keep coming back, it's going to get better. You've been here before, you'll get out of it. I've been here. It's, 
And, and the beauty of it is that I was like, I'm speaking at kitchen sink, and my weight's a little bit up, my pants are a little bit tight. I think I should cancel. I'm just going to call Peter and cancel. And one woman said to me, she was an old-timer, she said, if you don't speak, who's going to speak? And she said, if we can't come in the rooms and share when we're having a hard time, then who's going to share that? And it's sort of like, let me get really buff before I go to the gym. <laughs> right? It's like, let me get to that really great, like, toned body, and then I'll come to an OA meeting and show all the people there what a great body I have. Well, not really. Right? I need to come here. I'm, I'm, my weight fluctuates. My emotions fluctuate. My spirituality fluctuates. I come in here to hear all of that. I come in here to hear you talk about your food plan, talk about your God, talk about your day. And to be of service. Um, I can't begin to tell you the amount of love that I got on the phone a couple nights ago. It just, it blew me away. And it reminded me of a level of love that I can have for others, but that I can't really have for myself. And these few women who spent a long time on the phone with me really brought it back. They really brought it back to, it's okay. What are you doing with your food tomorrow? Call me before your breakfast. Call me after your dinner. What are you going to do with the moo-moos? You know, we made a moo-moo plan. Um, what are you going to wear? You know, just like held my hands through it. And before, I would have bailed. Like, if I can't do it, I'm black or white. Like if, I, if I'm not working a perfect program, then I'm out of the room and I'm eating in my car. And I'm hating my children. And I have done... I've done some scary things with food. I have left a toddler to go to the bathroom on her own because I had a certain food on the table that I could not separate from. And, and it's petrifying when I think back. I think she was like, she was a toddler, she was like four or five. I was like, yeah, honey, go, the bathroom's over there behind the nasty kitchen and the scary looking men. Just make a right and mommy's right here eating the dessert when you come back. Not sober. Not sober. Um... I have little 12-step children uh, who are hilarious and uh, carry the message back to me all the time. And my daughter uh, just got into grad school. She wants to uh, get her doctorate in psychology, and she's taking this uh, upper division psychology of addictions class. And the other day I'm driving, she sends me a text, and it's a picture of one of the slides during the, the lecture. And she writes on the bottom, a snippet of my childhood. <laughs> It says, like, keys used in 12-step programs. Easy does it. Keep coming back. You know, all this stuff. And she was like, I'm doing really well in this class because all I have to do is think back to hearing you talk to sponsees, and I intuitively know the answers. Um, and it, it's funny. I've, I've, there's a certain grace that has come as a woman from working this program, and all I want to be is a woman of grace and dignity. That's all I want. I want to be of service. I want to talk the talk and walk the walk. And I love the, um, the 12th step in the AA 12 and 12, which says, it says a few things. One of them says, in the big book, it says, uh, we alcoholics are sensitive people. And I always tell that to my sponsor. I'm like, well, Leslie, in the big book, it says we alcoholics are sensitive people. And she's like, yes, it's you said. But the line right after that says, that is a liability we must learn to overcome. <laughs> right? I don't really want to focus on that part of it. But, but it does say that. And so, she, you know, she too, she really guides me. And, and in the 12th step, sort of, it harbors 
everything that I want from life, which it says, after working all the steps and being in program, we are able to have obligations squarely met, service gladly rendered, problems resolved with God's help. Period. Like that's really, really what I want. And and I heard last a uh, few months ago, someone told me that they had read something that said it doesn't even matter where it was from, but it said something like, and in the end, in the end, said uh, in the end, only three things matter: how deeply you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you were able to let go of things that were not meant to be. And I feel like. That's just what program gives me. So thanks for letting me share. Okay, so did we? Yes. Okay, so this is the time for questions only. Uh, there is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. I think we are being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Uh, please restate the question after it's asked. Okay. Yes. Thank you for How did your relationship change, or or did your attitude change towards your father before and after you started working the program? Oof. How did my relationship slash attitude change with my father before and after working the program? Uh, it's very much, it's night and day. It's, it's still not quite perfect. I have like a little bit more work to do. Um, before coming into program, I wanted people, there were certain people, unfortunately including him and, and other people who were related to that, um, I wanted them like, I wanted them dead. I didn't want them dead like gently in their sleep. I wanted them like run over um, by ram trucks. And there are those same people today who, through doing a fourth step and looking at my character defect and making amends and really sitting with a sponsor and some outside help, um, really, I have relationships with those people today. I have actually gone to my father's bedside and practice forgiveness today. Those are things that would never ever have happened before program. Never have happened before program. And and again, it's not, I'm super logical, so I'm always up here, like I have a PhD in thinking. Um, so like, I forgive is very simple up here. It's not that easy here. Um, and so I'm really doing the work at the heart level, um, but steps and, and a solid sponsor. Yep. Hi. Hi, uh, thank you for your share. Um, following on, in step eight, it, when it says you came willing to make amends to them all, it also says um, in the OA, um, step eight, that we have to be um, able to truly forgive those who have done us wrong before we can make amends. Mm-hmm. How have you uh, come to that truly given I think it's a combination of 16 years of having my backside in a chair um, working the steps being really really rigorously honest 
and really realizing that the people who have harmed me, first of all, like harmed me, uh, it's a perspective thing, right? I really need to look at that. Like, have they really harmed me or am I taking it a certain way? And again, with, with sponsorship and, and being in the rooms, I think that really helps. Um, I think realizing that those people are suffering too and being able to send them love and light has allowed me to forgive them. Um, and that doesn't mean it's this like super Mother Teresa, like I forgive everybody, you know, I walk on water. It's not true, but I can say there's really nobody. I can sit here today and say there is nobody that I harbor resentment against um, that hasn't been worked through or is in the process of being worked through. Um, so it's a day at a time, and it's not, it's not linear. You know, recovery is not like always on an upswing. You know, sometimes it's like I feel great recovery, and then I, you know, a little stagnant comes down, but ultimately it's on the way up, and that's all I can aim for. Yes? Thank you. Um, a, do you sponsor? And if so, how did, how did you know when you were ready, and how do you uh, do I sponsor? When did I know I was ready to sponsor? And how do I sponsor? I do sponsor. I sponsor a lot of women. Uh, Heidi told me I started sponsoring after my fifth step. So I did. It was about maybe like a year in. Uh, I had had some physical recovery. I had worked my uh, fourth and fifth step. And I started sponsoring. And, and I had something to give. I had a year of abstinence. I had some step work I had that I could share um, experience, strength, and hope with. Uh, I think I have like 10 sponsees. Uh, I sponsor a lot of women and that doesn't mean that I pick up the phone to 10 women every day at all. Um, some call every day, some call a few times a week. I'm in touch with all of them and all of them are very, very understanding that I don't have the kind of life that I can pick up the phone the minute they call. It's busy, you know, it's work and kids and marriage and all the other stuff that's in my life, but I always call back. And they're always welcome to check and leave messages and I call them back, always, always. Um, how do I sponsor? I sponsor like I was sponsored because I cannot pass on a program that wasn't passed on to me. So when I start working with someone, I sponsor them for 30 days. Uh, we go through the doctor's opinion. They choose an abstinence and we do a food history. At the end of 30 days, we regroup and we say, is this working for you? Is this working for me? Let's proceed with the steps. If it doesn't, then we give each other a hug and we, we move on and we're program sisters. Um, but after 30 days, we begin with step one, minimum of three meetings a week, minimum of two service commitments and constant contact. Um, that's what I require from my sponsees only because when sponsees are like well I can't or I, I can't or I can't you know and they sort of bargain with me I cannot pass on a program that I haven't worked it would sort of be like me passing on you know a, a, a recipe that I've never made like here this is, I've heard this brisket's great like here try it I only have my brisket recipe notice I give a food analogy <laughs> um, it's, it's my recipe it's the only one I know so yes sure when you're in that place, like that 48 hour, I'm going to call it prison of self, Oof. Um, and you're being called obviously to be a service to someone else, other than making phone calls, what other kind of work do you do to, to shift and get out of that dark place? Oof, other than phone calls. Uh, when I'm in that 48 hours of 
hell. Uh, what do I do to get out of it other than phone calls? So it always starts with the phone for me because it's pretty easy for me to talk about my feelings. Uh, I'm a good talker. I'm not a great writer. And writing is something that has recently I've been willing to do it. So I pick up my other tools, which is setting the timer and writing for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I was so resistant to writing. It was like I was afraid of what was going to come out. I don't even want to see it on paper. Like I like it up here. I don't want to see it. Um, and I, I wrote. I wrote a lot. And I got a lot of clarity through writing. I also have really upped my um, 11th step. So I wake up somewhere between 5.30 and 6. There's a little park right next to my house. It's a five-minute walk. I walk there. I write. I set the timer I write. I set the timer I pray. I set the timer I meditate. And I read some OA literature and make more phone calls. Uh, and go to a meeting and get out of my head. Like, I can be in a meeting and be like, wow, there's so much going on for other people in this world. It's not all about me, 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 me. So it gets me out of that. Absolutely. So I came in, uh, it was about 200 pounds. I dropped about 40 pounds pretty quickly and had a baby. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm a woman, so my body is it's like in flux, right? There's hormones and there's pregnancy and there's this and probably menopause in a few years and whatever. Uh, so my experience in program has not been that I lost weight and it just stayed there. It hasn't. I've been 10 pounds up. I've been 10 pounds lower. Um, and then something that really messed it up, I went on some migraine medicine that caused weight loss. And I dropped like 20 pounds. And it was like, woohoo! You know, never mind, like, I lost memory. Like, my hands and feet were tingly. It was horrific. Uh, I mean, I came off of it pretty quick. And then I gained that 20 pounds back, which was horrific. Because it wasn't because of my eating, that what I was doing to myself. So it's been really, uh, it's been a process. It's really been a process, but I, I tend to settle in the 160s. This is sort of my happy place. I'm 5'7". Um, for, the, for the podcast people, I have a body like Heidi Klum. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and... 160 is usually a good place for me. So 10 pounds up, 10 pounds down, lots of phone calls, lots of step work. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, can you talk about your, like, the higher My concepts of a higher power and did it come easily to me? I always believed in God. Um, I always marveled, like, there has to be something going on here that's way bigger than me. I had some times in my life where I really looked at God as a punishing God, keeping score God, tally God, gates of heaven, what have you done good, what have you done bad God. Um, that's not my perception anymore. So my perception of God, and it's only my perception, it really, for the newcomers, um, you can pick your own perception of God, is my creator, a loving higher power who is right here every second of every day. And I can choose to connect or I can choose to disconnect. God's always here. It's almost like um, my cell phone provider is T-Mobile, right? T-Mobile's always 
always sending me the signal, right? It's up to me if I choose to pick up and use the phone. And it's also, there are times when my reception's a little faulty. You know, like there are times in the mountains where the bar's a little down, it's still there. And there are times like on Doheny where it's fully, all the bars are there. So that's, that's how I look at my higher power. Um, I have to be a vessel of God's will. I have to be a vessel of God's will. And for a long time, I would say, thy will be done. I wouldn't say, thy will not mine be done. Because I was like, well, what about if his will is my will, and then our wills are together, and then why would I say not my will, because but I want my will. You know, and for today, it's thy will, not mine, be done. Because my will is often centered in ego and pride and energy towards things that will get me money, property, and prestige that are not necessarily God's will. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Sure. Could you um, speak a bit of that year and a half that you said you were having a really hard time? How did you uh, work your way out of that? And were there times where you forgot you were having a hard time? Or was it familiar to you? And how did you really get yourself out of that? And were you able to find some way to sort of have fun within the program, you know, in that newfound way of, of freedom, even while you were in there at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she'd like me to talk a little bit about the past year and a half, what happened, and how I was able to have fun in the program despite all of that and work my way out of it. Uh, it was awful. Uh, basically, what happened was that I got really, really disappointed. Really disappointed. And it was something that I had been working towards and had so much hope and so much invested. Um, and for whatever reason, it became very clear that this was not the path that my life was supposed to take. And it became very clear. And I was getting signals, but I was ignoring the signals until literally God put a barricade. And he was like, yeah, this is not where we're going. We're not going here. And it came in the form of severe anxiety and depression, hair loss, losing five pounds a week, which is not a good thing, by the way. Right, which is a compulsive, it's like, woo right, not a good thing. Um, marriage suffering, kids upset, health problems. And I have to surrender and be like, okay, fine. And I hated God. I hated God. I hated everybody. And I was so envious of the people who were able to take my path and finish my path, who I now see posting on Facebook like, woo you know, whatever. Um, Facebook is evil, by the way. Um, <laughs> And I cried. I really, I really cried a lot. I think I cried for like something like 300 days. I just cried. And I cried in meetings and I cried on the phone and I picked up the phone to sponsees when I had just finished crying and hung up with them and cried again. Um, did step work and cried, called my sponsor and cried. Um, and sort of like it became, my OA sisters be like, hey, Tuz, how's the crying today? You know, uh, well, you know, I just cried a little, I'll cry a little more later. And, and it just became like, we're all here for you and we're going to see you out of this. And just now, like 18 months later, it's becoming really clear. And you know what? It was that horrific disappointment that brought me to my knees, that brought me to God. It was that like, okay, God, I really wanted this and you didn't allow it to happen. You didn't allow it to happen. And I'm angry. I worked really hard for that. I really wanted it. And now you're telling me, yeah, we're not going this way. We're going this way. Or you're telling me, 
stay where you are. We don't know where we're going right now. And I would call my sponsor and I'd be like, Leslie, like, I just want a burning bush to tell me what my next, what my next thing is. And she'd say, well, your next thing, why don't you hit a meeting? Why don't you pick up the phone? Why don't you finish that separate I signed you two weeks ago? Uh, and, she, and she always said, she said, if, if life puts you in the hallway, then sweep the hallway. And that's literally how I felt like I had been kicked out of this or I had chosen not to continue this path and I was like in limbo. Like what is to become of me? And it was tough. It affected my marriage. It affected my food. It affected God. It was horrific. And it's only now, like three, four months ago, I slowly started coming out of it. But boy, I attended lots of meetings at that time. I Almost everyone in my life knew what was going on with me. And it was so funny because I wrote this letter to my sponsees explaining to them that my path had changed and this was different, this was it. And a couple of them, like a few of them didn't get how awful it was because the letter I wrote was so graceful and surrendered. You know, they were like, well, we thought you had gracefully surrendered. And I had in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways I was sad and mad and disappointed and stomping my feet hardcore. So lots of meetings, lots of programs. Question? Question? Yes. Thank you. Can you talk about how your relationship with your husband changed and how involved he's in your program? Oh, yes. Hey! How my relationship with my husband has changed and how he feels about program. When I first started program, he didn't really understand what it was. It was taking a lot of my time. I kept talking to this chick named Heidi on the phone, like, he was like, I don't really get it. I was gone a lot. I would hire a babysitter, go to meetings. And at the beginning, he would call them, like, I'd come home. How was your session? Like, it's not a session, it's a meeting. How was your workshop? It's not a workshop, it's a meeting, you know? Um, and he sort of did not get it until he started seeing me change. And he was like, wow, oh, something's really happening at these meetings. And he is, he's like a 12-step superstar. Um, he will be like, do you want me to watch the kids? Do you want to go to a meeting? Uh, sometimes it's, I swear to God, like last year, he, he woke me up at like 6.30. He's like, I think there's a 7.30 meeting. You may want to go to <laughs> That bad, huh? He's like, I'll take the kids, you go. Uh, and he's got all, my whole family, my husband's got such a respect for this program for mommy's crazy when she's not in the rooms. It's crazy when she's not in the rooms. And my kids don't really know my, my life history. They don't really know my eating history. They just know that mom goes to meetings to connect with God and be a better mom. Um, and my husband feels the same way. Thank God for, for program. Otherwise, I don't think we'd be married. That's it. Awesome.